0: Trinity Baptist Church, a community growing in faith, obedience, and joy. Morning. Once we were a young married couple who saw movies in an actual movie theater, who didn't have to choose a restaurant based on whether they had chicken fingers on the menu or not. We were also serving in the Trinity Choir and praise team. It was a great extension of our professional lives at the time with the ability to send out a message of Jesus' love to everyone
1: else. Then Jesus found us (laughs) and made us the parents of two handsome, sweet boys. They loved us so much that they decided sleep was for losers and they were going to spend every waking minute with us. (laughs) They also loved to find things to spend our money on and always seemed to get sick when we finally got it together to book a date night. Pretty soon, life got crowded, crazy, and exhausting.
0: Today, we serve in a different capacity with our middle school youth. We too got caught in the trap with the idea that we would start serving again sometime when life slowed down or work got easier, but does it ever really happen that way? Sometimes you just have to take a leap of faith and start today. We don't have all the answers.
1: It's always a mad rush to get here in time, and we often seem to lose our kids during coffee hour when we think the other one is watching them. But we're here, and we want to show these young minds and souls that we care, but that most of all, Jesus loves them. And if by us showing up, changes their day or their week or maybe their year. Well, at least it's helping them further down the road in life. I'm Jennifer Yoder.
0: I'm Matt Yoder. And
1: and we're we're all, all in.
0: Today's passage is from Acts 2:42 to 47. <clears throat> And day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. The word of the Lord.
2: Thank you, Matt and Jen. Um, One of the things that you might not know about Matt and Jen is they are two of the most amazing singers that we have in our community. And every time that I see Matt and Jen's name on the schedule for doing anything that has anything to do with vocals, I get a little excited. And so when I saw that they were going to be giving the testimony today, I immediately asked Beth if they were going to sing it. (laughs) And she said no, and I was a little disappointed. I was kind of picturing kind of a a Glee-like setting, you know, <laughs> you know, musical, but, but I guess that got mixed. <laughs> during the past uh, six weeks, uh, we have been doing a sermon series called All In, and uh, during that series, we've been considering the importance of our commitments, the importance of our commitments. Uh, many of us are kind of averse. To making commitments. And, and I understand that because we want to keep our options open, right? We, we don't want to miss something better that might come along. And and I've, I've been there before. I get those evites from time to time as well. And you look at them and you look at the date and you say, I'm going to respond to that a little later because I'm not really sure what's going on in my week this next week, right? We've all been there. But it's important to know that We serve a God uh, that is all about commitments. And we were created in his image. So that means commitments are very important for us because they define us. They define, not only do they define us, but they define our destiny. If you want to know where you're going to be five or ten years from now, You really only have to assess two things. Who are you committed to? I mean, who are the people you're spending time with and invested in? And what are your commitments? What are your commitments? Because those two things are going to paint a picture of your destiny. Okay? So commitments are important. People who follow Jesus are all in. They're all in. And they, at times, make outrageous commitments. And again, that's okay, because that's a part of being all in. Now, if you've been here at the, since the beginning of this series, you know that we have considered what it means to be all in in several different categories. We consider what it means to be all in when it comes to relationships. We consider what it means to be all in with our time. Last week... Uh, Keith talked about money and what it means to be all in with our finances. And today, what I want to do is I want to look at what it looks like to be all in when it comes to our commitment to the church. Uh, Membership, specifically. I want to talk about membership. But before we get into that, I would like for us to break into those little groups that Keith sets us up in. Three or four people right around you, and I'd like for you to ask one question, and you'll have one minute to discuss this. The question is this. What clubs or organizations have you joined that require membership, and why was it that you joined? One minute. Okay, I'm going to draw us back in. I know these are... uh, riveting conversations that you're all having, but uh, what I want to discuss here just for a moment is the local church. There's something very, very special, very special about the local church. You guys like these conversations better than I thought you did, because a lot of you have been telling me that you don't like these conversations, but once we get you going, woo! Okay, so the local church is a very, very special place. It's very special. And part of the reason why the local church is so special is it's one of the few places where we can all get together, sit, sing, listen, learn, and grow with people who are very, very different than we are. Very different from, we, from who we are. And the reason why I asked you that first question is most of the clubs that we join, most of the organizations we join, tend to be organizations with people that are a lot like us. They share the same interests. They're trying to accomplish the same things. But in church, we are part of a community that is very, very diverse, and it's by design that it is. That's God's intention. If you look around, you will see rich people, poor people. Educated people, uneducated people. You'll see people of every race and every color, every ethnicity, and that's a wonderful thing. You see, the local church is not designed to be a homogeneous club consisting of people that are just like us. It's designed to be a supernatural community, a supernatural fellowship where God brings together very unlikely people that are very different from one another and bonds them together in Christ to accomplish something that can only be defined as supernatural. That's the church. We are the church. Now, if you were to look around again, you probably wouldn't see too many people that you would naturally hang out with on a weekly basis if you were just making the choice right? These are probably not the people that you would naturally choose to be your friends or the people that you would hang out with on a regular basis. Um, Nor would you probably choose the people in this space to go on vacation with you, right? Think about the vacations that you're planning. Um, Chances are, well, actually that analogy kind of breaks down because I was going to say, you know, well, even our immediate... Families we don't always enjoy going on a vacation with, right? <laughs> but that's part of the point, actually. Because our families are all dysfunctional, aren't they? And I know they're dysfunctional because I pray with a lot of you just before Thanksgiving and Christmas, before you're traveling, <laughs> to be with your extended family, okay? And, and by the way, you know, they say that the most dysfunctional families are the families that don't think they're dysfunctional, Okay? So we all have dysfunctional families, and the church is a lot like our family. The church is a lot like our family. This place is filled with what I would call EGRs. You know what an EGR is? A a person with whom extra grace is required. Okay? Now, Rick Warren will say that there is an EGR in every small group. So if you're in a small group, you probably know who that person is, right? Are you picturing them? Okay. Now, Rick will also say that if you don't know who that person is, it's probably you. (laughs) (laughs) Truth is, we all require a little extra grace from, from time to time. And that's why membership is kind of challenging, right? Why would you want to commit yourself to something that requires extra grace? something that you know is going to be complicated and challenging at times, right? It's a, it's a valid question. And somewhere along the line, and I'm not sure where we got this, maybe it's just part of our nature, but we picked up the idea that we're supposed to shop around until we find the perfect church for us. Right? We're looking for a church where we love the worship. We are always riveted by the preaching. Uh, we love the community and the people there. We get along with everyone all the time, and the food and the coffee hour afterwards the fellowship is just absolutely amazing okay and if we can find all of that in one place we 've landed but i want to I want to open your eyes to something. you will never find that perfect church. you will never find it. There are elements of all of those things in every Good church. But there's also a lot of brokenness and a lot of dysfunction. And that also is by God's design. And I'm going to tell you why in a little bit. But several years ago, um, I went on a mission trip uh, with a number of people from Trinity here. And we went to Rwanda. And it it was an incredible experience because never had I been together with a team of people that were more diverse in every way than what I saw on that particular mission trip. And it didn't take long, after getting to Rwanda, to realize that not only were we diverse, but we had very diverse visions of what this mission trip was to be about. What we were to do, or how we were to spend our time. Some people wanted to spend all their time focusing on their sponsored children okay? Others wanted to spend all their time building homes for, for the community, and other people thought, when am I going to be in Rwanda again? I want to see some sights, right? So we have these divergent views of how we're to spend our time, and after a couple really, really hot days and really cold showers, uh, tension started to mount, and you could, you could sense that this was not looking good. There was a lot of grumbling, a lot of complaining happening. And uh, I remember probably the third morning we were sitting around the breakfast table and I was listening to all this complaining around the table. And Jamie and Sarah, who were leading the tr- the troops, you know, came over to me and they said, you know, I'm really discouraged and frustrated about all this complaining. Everybody, you know, wants to do something different. And, and it was in that moment that I suddenly went into my pastoral parenting mode. And Jamie and Sarah both, even to this day, call this next little talk that I did the come to Jesus moment. (laughs) Because everybody was kind of grumbling and talking amongst themselves, and all of a sudden I said, listen! All of you! And everyone kind of looked up from their food, and I said, If it wasn't for the grace of God, none of you would probably be friends. You probably wouldn't spend any time together. But for whatever supernatural reason, God has brought this group of people together at this time to make a difference in this place. And Rwanda is counting on us. The people of these villages are counting on us. And if God is going to use us in the way that he envisioned that he would to bring about the transformation that he has called us to, we're going to have to put our personal agendas aside. And then it was about that moment that I thought, my gosh, I sound so much like my dad. <laughs> How did this happen? You know, and I was thinking, I'm just one step away from saying, I'm going to count to three. Three. And if I have to count to three, I'm going to give all of you something to cry about. (laughs) Did you ever hear that when you were growing up? Yeah, I heard that quite a bit. But what happened next was really miraculous. There was kind of this moment of silence. And then it was as if the Holy Spirit fell upon our group. Because as I look back on that mission trip, it was one of the best mission trips I've ever been on. Everybody came together and worked together in harmony, and we accomplished some amazing things. And it was so fun to see the divergent gifts being utilized in that place in what was only to be a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. And I think that's a picture of what God is envisioning when he's thinking about the community, the church, the body. It's powerful. And that's what we're being invited into. Now, this issue that I'm referring to is not emotional. It's more theological, if you think about it. It's not about us. It's about our identity being transformed into the likeness of Jesus. And you know that can only happen in the context of community. That's the way God designed it. Christian love isn't tied to our likability. And again, that's a good thing. Because if you if you're honest, we're all a little bit unlikable at times, right? People will say, but do I really need to become a member? I mean, can't I just be involved at Trinity? I mean, I can still do the small groups. I can still come on Sundays. I can still build friendships. Do I have to join? I mean, where in the Bible does it talk about membership? I mean, I don't see that anywhere in the Bible. I've looked all through the Bible, and I don't see anything about membership. So why are you calling me to membership? Okay, when I hear people Uh, presenting these arguments to me. And by the way, I don't see anything in the scriptures about membership specifically. But when people ask me these questions, I'll say, well, what are you looking for in the scriptures? What are you looking for? Are you looking for a heading that says the details of church membership? And then an outline on, on how you're supposed to, you know, assimilate people into the body. Well, if that's what you're looking for, you're not going to find that. But if you look through the New Testament, what you will find is that the entire New Testament is about being in Christ and Christ being in the church. The entire New Testament is about that. And if we want to be in Christ, if that is our goal, we can't do it without being in the church. We need to be in the church. So we have some people debating rather membership is biblical and we have another group of people that i like to call church hoppers okay church hoppers come and they they look around and they're and they, they see what's going on they, they check out the programs they stay for a while but then usually they they have some sort of problem with somebody They don't like the worship, or they don't like the teaching, or they're frustrated with somebody, and so instead of dealing with those issues, they move to the next church, and they try and find something better in that location, okay? I call those church hoppers, and I have a friend, a good friend who's a pastor uh, by the name of Jeff Kirby, who started a vineyard church in Kansas City, and in the first year, that church grew to over a thousand people. I mean, it was just massive growth. And Jeff, I remember him telling me that in that first year, he was feeling really good about himself and really struggling with pride. Because here he started this church, and it's just exploding. But then he noticed a pattern. He started noticing that every week, two or three or five or ten people would come up to him and say, Jeff, man, I'm so glad to be in this church. That last church that I left, oh my gosh, it was so problematic. I mean, and they would go into all the details of the issues that they had with the previous church. And Jeff would say, yeah, I'm sorry you had to go through that. You know, that's difficult. I, and then all of a sudden it dawned on him that it was only a matter of time before all those people were going to have a problem with him. There was going to be something that would upset them, and they would move to the next church. Because that was the pattern. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, The next couple of years in that church were very tumultuous. And what Jeff realized that he had to do is to focus on conversion growth. And help people to learn how to reconcile with one another in the context of community. And so that was what he was focusing on. Now, we have some hoppers here at Trinity. Not many, but we have a few. And we even have a few people that I would call serial church hoppers serial church hoppers now serial church hoppers have made an art of church hopping okay serial church hoppers go to one service in the morning for the worship and they usually sit in the back so they can get out and make it to the next service for the message just as the message is coming on and they hear this brilliant message and then they think oh boy community, hop in the cab, get to that third church, because that church has great mini muffins and lots of amazing people to hang out with. And so they cruise to the third church, okay, and then they finish out their day in good fellowship. Okay, that's serial church hopping. And I get that. I mean, we, we are part of a consumeristic culture, and, you know, our time is valuable, and so we want it to count on Sunday morning. Okay, so we're looking for the best. And, and I saw a comic strip in Doonesbury. Do you, are you familiar with Doonesbury? And, and, it, and it talks to this issue. There's a couple that had arranged for an interview with a local pastor. Okay? And as they sit down with the local pastor, uh, the pastor asks the couple uh, what they'd like to know about the church. And the husband asks, Well, what is your basic approach, Reverend? Is it traditional gospel? And the reverend responded by saying, well, in a way, I suppose, I like to call it 12-step Christianity. Basically, I believe that we are all recovering sinners. So my ministry is really about overcoming denial. It's about recommitment and redemption. You can read it all about it. I can read all about it in this brochure here. He hands him the brochure. So the husband's looking through the brochure, and the wife says, wait a minute. Sinners? Redemption? Doesn't that imply guilt? Well, yes, says the minister. I I do rely occasionally on a disincentive uh, to keep the flock from going astray, and I suppose guilt is a part of that. Oh, I don't know, says the husband. There is so much negativity in this world. Uh, Yeah, says the wife. What we're looking for is a place that's much more supportive. We want a supportive environment, a place where we can feel good about ourselves. And I'm not sure that guilt thing would work for us. The husband is looking through the brochure, and as his wife is talking, he says, "Uh, on the other hand, uh, I see that you offer racquetball. (laughs) 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 To which the wife replies, yes, honey, I know they do, but the Unitarians do as well. Let's keep shopping. (laughs) So we have some debaters we have some church hoppers, we have some serial church hoppers, and we have another demographic that I like to call Lone Ranger Christians. Lone Rangers. Lone Rangers question whether or not it's even necessary to to do this Sunday morning thing. I mean, most of them feel as though their faith is kind of a private thing, you know, between me and God. And so, you know, why do I, I want to get in the subway and slog all the way to, to Trinity on a Sunday morning to be with people that I don't know and some that I, I don't even like that much? And I, all I need is an iPad and a nice cup of coffee. If I had an iPad and a nice cup of coffee, I could download Joel Osteen or Charles Stanley and I don't even need to get out of bed. I can have my church on Sunday morning with Pastor Sheets at Bedside Baptist. (laughs) Okay? Now, I know all of us have thought about that at times, and maybe some of us have done that. Okay? The problem is, that's not church. That's not church. Downloading sermons or worship services can be a great supplement. They really are. They're a great supplement, but they cannot replace church as good as joel or charles may be it's not a replacement and lone rangers might say well but i don't really like sitting next to people that i don't know at trinity and and keith has been doing those really annoying breakout groups those awkward (laughs) breakout groups where he makes us share personal things with people that we don't even know or like now the balcony isn't even safe truth is, we all feel a little more comfortable with people that are like us. It's part of our human nature. Maybe it's a protective instinct. But if we go down that path, um, we're missing out on what God is calling us to. We're really missing out. And God doesn't want us to miss out. In the book of Romans, Paul uses the phrase, in Christ. He uses it a lot. And what he's talking about is being members of a body. Members of a body. He says, though we are many, we are one body in Christ, individually members of one another. So what he's talking about is when we become a member of a, of a body, a church body, we're one. We're united. We're in this together. We're all in. And Paul is saying, what he's saying here is that God brings us into relationship with Jesus. And he brings us into relationship with everyone else who is in Jesus. So it's not just Trinity, but it's every believing church around the world. We are now part of this one body. United in Christ in such a supernatural and profound way that it's a mystery. Now, it's no surprise that Paul uses this phrase over and over again because this is his testimony. This is Paul's personal testimony. Saul of Tarsus hated Jesus. Remember, he was a Pharisee and he set out to to quench this sect that he thought was uh, heretical. So he hates Jesus. He hates the followers of Jesus. And he's committed to their destruction. But then Jesus finds Saul, and everything changes. Paul becomes a man who is all in for Jesus and all in for the church. He spent the rest of his life pouring himself into building worship communities like we are experiencing here in this place. He was all in. Now, the New Testament does not say anything about unattached members. There's nothing in there that that says you can be a Lone Ranger Christian and do it on your own. In fact, if you were to cut off my hand, and you were to take that hand and you put it out in the narthex, it would still be a hand, but it would no longer be part of my body. And that's what it's like in the church, when we go out and we try and do it on our own. You're you're separating yourself from the body. Think about all the metaphors in the New Testament that are speaking about the church. The church is described as a flock, Christ's flock, his body, and his household. Now think about each of those descriptors. One sheep does not make up a flock, does it? One limb doesn't make a body. And one individual does not make a family. So all these pictures of the church are describing a unified body, a community that has been brought together in a supernatural way. And that is important. It's important because the mission that God envisioned for us hinges on that unity. Paul says, do not forsake assembling yourselves together as some are in the habit of doing. The reason he says this is because he knows many of us have the tendency to isolate ourselves. It's kind of easy to just do your faith thing on your own. But it will not have the impact that you're looking for. Not personally and not corporately. And you will miss out on God's redemptive plan. Because God's redemptive plan is initiated through the community, through the body. So not only do the New Testament metaphors of the church imply close relationships, they imply order and structure, which is also necessary for moving God's kingdom forward. We need order and we need structure to grow functionally and efficiently. So God didn't ordain the church to be kind of an unstructured loosely knit bunch of people that function spontaneously. Although spontaneity is good, and we love spontaneity, and it should be included in what we do. But what he envisioned is a structure with order that would facilitate and advance his kingdom. We have structure, a lot of things happening behind the scenes that make the church move forward effectively. Now, in the same way, Jesus teaches the structure, the importance of structure when it comes to reconciliation. Okay? Um, Jesus doesn't just say, go and figure it out if you're having a problem with somebody. Grow up. He has a structure that he puts in place, and it's found in Matthew 18. He says, if your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault, just between the two of you. And if he listens to you, you've won your brother. If he won't listen to you, take one or two others along so that that matter may be established with the testimony of the two or three witnesses. Then, if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. What does Jesus mean when he says, tell it to the church? Who is he talking about? He's talking about those who have joined together under the direction of God, who have committed to doing relationship together United by Christ. He's talking about us. But for that to be an option, we need to be wholeheartedly committed to one another. We need to be all in with one another. Membership in the church is like marriage as opposed to dating someone. Dating is not the same as being married and attending church is not the same as attending church. There is a book written by Joshua Harris entitled, Stop Dating the Church. And a lot of the content, a lot of the the details that I'm talking about here today are reinforced in that book. And you might want to look at it if you have questions about this. Now, here at Trinity, membership doesn't simply mean that we add your name to a database. That we add your name to the role so that we know who's here. So we can say, this is how many members we have. Um, Well, that's important. It's not the the point. When a person becomes a member here at Trinity, they go from being involved, which is is good. It's a good start, to publicly declaring their commitment to the fellowship here. And when they commit to that fellowship, the body in turn commits to coming alongside that person and walking with them and helping them to grow. It's like adoption. They're brought into the family. They participate in an orientation with Keith and Deanne where they can kind of get a feel for the heart of our pastor and where he would like to see the church go. They read through Trinity's statement of faith and they, and they learn about the mission and vision of our church. And if it resonates with them and they want to move forward, they meet with an elder or, or someone who's been a member for a long time so they can do an interview and talk about what their passions are, their gifts are, and what the church is hoping to accomplish. And the whole time, that interview is is thinking about how do we help this person really be utilized by God in the most profound ways once they become a member here. They make sure that their beliefs are in alignment with trinities, they discuss their gifts and passions, and, and then they stand up here before all of you, and they declare that, I am all in with this church. As long as I'm here, I am going to commit to submitting myself to the authority of the leadership here. I'm going to be open to what God wants to do with me in regard to my own personal growth, and I know that that's going to be facilitated in the context of this community. And I want to be all in with that. And then usually what Keith or myself will say next is, folks, do you commit to coming alongside this person? And helping them to accomplish all that God has intended for them to accomplish in this place. To support them in every way that you can. And we all say yes. Welcome to the family. And then we are one. If you've been attending Trinity and you're not a member as of yet, there might be a lot of reasons for that. I mean, I touched on some of them. And some of them may be reasons that I haven't even considered. But if you'd like to become a member, and maybe you just haven't gotten around to it, or you you kept missing the orientations or the desserts that we put out, this coming Sunday, next week, a week from today, there's going to be an orientation right here after this service that you can participate in. And if that doesn't work for you, there's going to be one Thursday of this week as well, and the details are in your bulletin. And I'd love for you just to check it out. Because I don't want you to miss what God is wanting to do through you in this place. This is an incredible invitation. Being all in involves turning to Christ, repenting, and investing in a local church. And when when I say local church, I'm I'm saying that on purpose because you don't need to become a member of Trinity, per se. But you need to be a member of a local church. Okay? Okay? Membership is an invitation to be part of God's supernatural plan to remake a broken world. That sounds like a movement that I'd like to be a part of. So at this point, I'd like for you to break up into those annoying little small groups again. And this time I want to meddle a little bit, just just a little bit. If you haven't become a member of a church or this church, What's keeping you from doing so? And if you are a member, why did you join? Take two minutes to discuss that, if the folks are ready. How many of you have heard of the theologian Christopher Ashe? Christopher Ashe. Don't tell me you guys don't love these groups. Don't tell me you don't love these groups. You love it. Uh, let me tell you about Christopher Ashe, the theologian Christopher Ashe. Christopher Ashe is a, a theologian that describes the church in a way that I think will speak to what I'm trying to share with you today. Christopher Ashe describes the church like this. He says, the ordinary local church... And I love this. I love this. He says, The ordinary local church, which is a mixed and motley gathering of strange men and women, the ordinary local church, with all its imperfections, its weaknesses, its oddities, and its problems, has within it the seeds of spiritual and relational genetic blueprint of a broken world remade. Isn't that cool? You see, when we fast forward to the end of God's story, remember, the story starts out in Eden, where everything is perfect. But I don't think that was God's primary focus. If we fast forward to the end of the story, we discover that from all eternity, God was not focused on Eden. He was focused on an entirely new garden, a new heaven, and a new earth, that is filled with his righteousness. And you know what brings it about? The church. We're invited to be part of this movement that is absolutely amazing. It's the story of God taking what is scattered and broken and remaking it and bringing it together, and the church is instrumental in that. When we join the church, we're not just committing to the people here at Trinity... We're joining with every other person and congregation throughout history that has called Jesus Christ Lord. It's the most amazing movement ever, and we are inviting you to be part of that. Only by his grace can we begin to grasp the wonder of what God is doing through the church. So let's commit ourselves to growing and learning and commuting and networking in this fellowship of believers as dysfunctional as we may be because god is able to take what is broken and turn it into something amazingly beautiful and that's what he's about can i pray for us lord thank you so much for for your love for us and for your vision for enabling us to accomplish greater things than even you would be able to accomplish. That's what your word says. And I believe that happens in the context of community, Lord, and I'm grateful for that. Thank you for my brothers and sisters, Lord, as different and as strange and as motley as they may be, and I am to them, Lord, we're grateful. In Jesus' name, amen.